Uh, can you tell us about uh, yourself a bit and uh, bit uh, like how you started and uh, and so, then we can slowly go into your company. Yeah. So actually, so this was my father's business. Okay. Uh, so he started it in around uh, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was studying in the year two thousand thirteen, I joined the business in two thousand fourteen. Yes, I completed the my BMS bachelor's in management studies, mm-hmm. and I joined my father's business back then. So for me, it was uh, like uh, getting to know all the technical things, the operation, how the production is going. So I've been in all the departments from the beginning, actually. So I started with the production, then I went on. Uh, like supervising the operations, then I went into finance. So I kind of uh, got my hands in each and every department and uh, got to know how the business actually works, the nooks, and uh, like I had the theoretical experience, but getting the practical experience was definitely from my father's business. And uh, uh, right now I'm handling the whole operations and the finance part, and uh, we have very well. I mean, delegated. We've had various departments from 2014 to right now. We've uh, like delegated uh, each and every task to uh, specific departments from mm-hmm. then and now. Okay. So yeah, it's been a journey till now. Right, right. So, yeah. uh, like you said that you were like studying and then you joined your father's, uh, you know, business. I yeah. wanted to understand, like, uh, you said that there's a lot of difference in theoretical and practical, uh, you know, yeah. like implementation. Can you just uh, shed some light on that aspect? Yeah, the whole thing is about the execution, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have different ideas in your mind, but I've seen that uh, executing them through a proper plan uh, is very difficult and managing teams like uh, for one instance I had uh, a block like uh, there was a time when things were not going in our direction and uh, like there was not a uh, team established in mm-hmm. business my father was the only one who was managing the complete setup from production to marketing from purchase he was like juggling all those things and I could see it back then that things are not going smoothly as they are supposed to. I mean, we were doing quite a good amount of sales. We were having uh, clients coming up for repeat business, for repeat orders. But then uh, somewhere I knew that things are not uh, going in the direction that they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started. I mean, I started building on uh, smaller teams. We had to hire people. Then we had to fire some people. Then again, some employees, uh, as you know, being a small firm, it's uh, very difficult to retain employees mm-hmm. when you're a small company. Right. Because uh, at that time, people don't really trust a small firm. Basically, everyone uh, wants to grow mm-hmm. professionally and personally. Right. So at that time, we were a small firm. I mean, uh, we were just having like 15 or 20 employees with us. And uh, people who were there from the scratch, uh, I mean, position are still with us. Some of them are. And uh, yeah, some people have quit. Some people have joined back. So uh, yeah, the thing is that in theory, you don't get to learn all these things. 
so practically uh, there are some challenges like these which i've told you right and uh, there are quite a there've been ups and downs uh, you've expected some things to follow but it doesn't work the way you expected to sometimes right um uh, because uh, one more example would be that if you develop a prototype like in our business we are into manufacturing for uh, other clients or for other brands right so there's competition so sometimes the products get replicated by the competition and the brands prefer them uh, since they are offering a good pricing or a good uh, product aspect let's say mm-hmm. so we've lost some business at that point of time so we have actually learned uh, these things as they were happening with us and uh, we built on it you can say that right right sounds great sudhan so uh, can you just give me a brief uh, you know like uh, description about uh, orchid shoes and like uh, your uh, clients like who do you cater to and uh, you know like uh, uh, the strength yes so actually uh, so that being the third generation shoe maker mm-hmm. since our family was uh, involved in shoe making uh at the time when uh from my grandfathers from my great grandfathers actually mm-hmm. so they used to make shoes for the britishers who were in charge uh in mumbai or uh, we we come from a town called mahableshwar in maharashtra yeah. so my great grandfathers used to make shoes at that time uh, it was just uh they they were called handmade shoes mm-hmm. so there were no machines back then or no uh like the ones we have right now so those were basically manual scale hand made shoes and then the skill got transferred from my great grandfather to grand, uh, my uh, dad's father and then to him my father basically so uh they've been all they've all been quite skilled actually at shoe making and they have a knack they you can say they have a passion of creating shoes so uh, i knew somewhere that this uh, skill needs to be passed on although i don't have much of a technical experience mm-hmm. but uh, yes i mean i can uh, i mean i don't have the handful of experience like they know how to carve out a shoe uh, by their hand i don't know how to do that but i can at least tell you the uh, the smaller details in a shoe that is it does it look right or does it fit right just by seeing it or feeling it that is it is it supposed to be looked this way so uh, yeah i mean so father had started it uh, first off he was a retailer as well as manufacturer then he came to bombay and then he established his uh, smaller firm so we shifted from mahabaleshwar to over here in mumbai in year 2007 and uh, yeah so things have been uh, like this so i joined at 2014 and yeah we are now right right that's a great story sadhan so yeah uh, so coming back to uh, the business and uh, the pandemic that hit us uh, last year so yeah so as we know that a lot of businesses you know had uh, uh, been impacted during this time uh, yeah. so i wanted to understand that how uh, did uh, you know what was the impact uh, over orchid shoes yeah and uh, a few tips if you could just tell us that how you you know like navigated through the challenges 
Yeah, so it was quite a setback uh, because of COVID because we were not prepared and I don't think any business was prepared to handle stuff like this. Right. So in March 20th, like uh, we knew that orders were getting on hold as uh, the lockdown started and everything. So we had our finished goods lying with us and uh, we had vendors to pay, but there was no option because uh, we all we thought was it was going to be a 15 day or a 21 day affair, mm-hmm. but it continued till July, and uh, but still, I, I mean, even after things opened up in July, things were not too well in the on the retail part, and uh, if they were not good on the retail part, they were not going to, you know, uh, get the goods from us. So we knew that we have to wait for the retail scenario to get better. Uh, I mean, we su- we have suffered losses because of it, because the fixed expenses were there, like the uh, rent part and the utilities, as well as we had to pay some amount of salaries to our permanent employees, which we had, because we had to look after their families as well. So, uh, in September, we were shut, and we opened at uh, mid-September, I guess. And uh, from then we started gradually, although we thought that business uh, would be difficult till uh, next year, but thankfully it has got better and uh, it's it's good right now. I mean, uh, we can definitely say we have reached 80 to 85 percent of the COVID level sales right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you said that initially there was, you know, nobody expected and there was a there were this finished goods uh, lying, uh, you know, in the repository. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how did you like, uh, so it seems like there was a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, cash was burning out at that point of a time, right? Yeah, it disrupted the whole cash flow actually. Right. Because when you have goods to deliver in a particular month, you are expecting your payment uh, after 60 days or 90 days, whatever the payment terms are with the clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly... The flow just stops, and uh, <clears throat> as as the sales have been disrupted, so does the cash flow. I mean, the incoming cash flow. So uh, it burns out the cash, it burns the reserves that we had, but no option because uh, like everyone was suffering losses. We had to have a strategy in our mind, and uh, our strategy was simple: that we have to bear these losses until uh, until and unless we get back on track. I mean, we had to lay off some people mm-hmm. and uh, we had to cut down our staff to bare minimum. We started off with uh, quite a limited staff at first and then gradually we kept on rehiring people or uh, get back our old team till the month of uh, November and December. Right. So, so uh, there was a lot of restructuring, I'm guessing, within the organization when the pandemic had hit. Yeah, we also hired new people actually, so it has helped us uh, right now because we thought that uh, going digital is a must for us and uh, we've invested in systems, we've invested in uh, creating departments like planning, like purchase, uh, sales. So we have had different kinds of departments right now and uh, we've ensured that they can work remotely as well from their home. Because any such situation, if it may arise, uh, so we have an option to, you know, execute a uh, workflow from any any location. 
the person has some issues. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, when uh, this entire lockdown fiasco like uh, happened, um, what were the you know like the uh, you know like the changes in terms of uh, one is restructuring you said and. Uh, what are the other changes uh, that you uh, kind of instantly had taken decision upon and uh, you know like went ahead with it and what were the post covid strategies that you you know like implemented within your organization okay so as soon as the lockdown happened we clearly didn't have a clue about uh, what was going to happen but we knew that this is going to last for a longer time and uh, so basically there was uh, just like we were just waiting for the brands to you know tell us that to get started because we were not producing any new stuff because mm-hmm. we had goods that were prepared and waiting for this waiting to get dispatched so uh, the strategy was to let's just dispatch the old goods that we have which are ready and uh, uh, by the time it reaches to 50% level then we start with the uh, uh, production part till then we had a clear idea that we had to uh, work on our development on our r&d mm-hmm. so the whole strategy was to use the time to you know create new products or new product lines because we knew that uh, the ongoing india china situation was going to uh, like happen goods coming from china so we knew that brands would be looking for options sourcing options in india and uh, we had to be prepared for that and uh, so we also launched a new product line uh, okay. last year i mean we worked on the prototype for the last one or one and a half years and uh, right now we have started the production of that line also so yeah i mean you can say that we've used that time uh, that ample amount of time which we got to uh, you know uh used in uh, the research and development of a product and developing new lines which uh, which helped us to uh, earn more orders in uh, the month of september and october yeah so did raw material costs go you know like it went up uh, when uh, you know like we when the india china tip started yeah okay. yeah um yeah you can say that because most of the raw materials i mean even the uh, like for example if you uh, take soles or the pu material uh, if even if it is being manufactured in india the raw material is imported from china hmm. so if that gets disturbed the uh, production cost obviously it gets increased because the raw material price uh, has increased by 10 to 15% but somehow we've managed to uh, keep it on par i mean uh, some of the cost we have for the brand or uh, we have asked the client to you know increase uh, cost prices of certain uh, sku's which we have and uh, we've also uh, like some some material which we used to uh, source from china so we knew that going to china isn't going to be possible for a year uh, after this thing is over the covid and all and still we are not able to visit china for new new developments so we had to work around with uh, vendors in india we had to sit down with them and uh, you know take zoom meetings with with them which was new for us because uh, we are conventional people so we sit with them we have a tea and we discuss that this is how it is going to be 
So it was very different for everyone. I'm doing Zoom meetings, explaining things to them virtually of how this uh, new school is going to be or how this new material is going to be. You had to work uh, a lot to, uh, I mean, because when you are working in India, you have to explain a lot of things. In China, they have the whole infrastructure to get things done in a pretty uh, much faster time, actually. So the lead time is uh, less in China and uh, you get a lot of innovation. In India, there are certain, uh, what do you say, limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but still we had to uh, increase our vendors. So strategically, we had to, uh, that's what I said, I, we increased the departments from purchase and planning, which gave us, gave me personally a lot of time to work with the vendors or create new relations with the vendors. And uh, this has helped us in, you know, uh, creating a diverse range in our products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that uh, you know getting on a Zoom call and all these things were pretty much uh, since uh, yours ha- the orchid has always been into a conventional traditional business. So yeah. yeah so can you just tell me like uh, do you think that uh, the COVID the entire after COVID like we there was a huge uh, digital uh, push uh, that ha- happened in India. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't imagine some businesses who haven't got digital, it's difficult to, uh, to imagine how they, they've been operating. Because for me, like um, like I told you that uh, we had that three or four months of gap and which, which we used it to create Excel sheets, we automated our uh, various department and processes which we had in terms of production, accounting, and uh, so we worked at those processes at that time. And uh, yeah, I mean, to create a digital environment which was necessary, which we knew that this is this is required now. I mean, this would be a necessity in the future and we have to work around uh, these things. So yeah, it was new, it was tough for us, but uh, I mean, we still have scope to improve our systems and process. And we are on it. Uh, hopefully we'll get it done cool so uh, this is great actually uh, I just wanted to understand uh, regarding the prototype that you were discussing uh, that uh, you utilize these uh, you know the lockdown yeah. months to develop to do R&D to develop new yeah. uh, products can you just yeah. uh, share some more uh, information on that aspect yeah so so we were into uh, like I said we manufacture women's shoes right uh, so in shoes also there are various constructions various styles what general people know it as it's just or uh, slip-on shoes but there are multiple constructions involved in a shoe like uh, we make comfort shoes in open-toed sandals and we uh, we were working as I said we were working since last two years to manufacture those ballerina sh- ballerina type shoes flat shoes. Mm-hmm. It was for uh, me to use for a casual outing uh, or a formal event or something like that. So um, in the month of February we uh, got the machinery fund from China. Because in December last year, in 2019, we had visited China to uh, to actually physically uh, check the machineries involved in uh, making those kind of shoes. 
and we invested quite heavily in those machineries mm-hmm. and uh, they arrived in the month of july 2020 so the whole uh, point was to you know because working out those machineries was difficult i mean there were trial and errors and everything so all we had in mind was that that we have time now and we don't have any production going on why not just uh, make the prototype which we are working on because up till now until the machinery is uh, arrived we were doing it manually like a carrier he used to do it by his hand mm-hmm. but it was not uh, going easy uh, for the production part right because for a person he can do like 30 or 40 bells let's say for in a day whereas in a machine if you could just have that team around who is technically trained they can do it like it did out as per day so that's how much of a difference which we are speaking of and uh, it was new for us the machineries were new because uh, we uh, had to do a lot of technical work the operators the machine technicians back back there in china we had to uh, i can speak with them as always as a language barrier we don't understand chinese mm-hmm. so uh, yeah i mean we had to show them physically or making videos like that this is the particular issue that we are having and uh, so we had to go through a lot of trial and errors basically until we've got the final product which we were you know satisfied that yes this is the prototype that we are satisfied with and we can proceed with the production now so it uh, i would say two to three months in uh, august you were just going around in a twice or thrice a week to do the trial and errors and by the time i would say october we were uh, quite satisfied that yes we've got the technical team and uh, yeah also also getting the right people to operate the machines was a difficult part mm-hmm. at that time so there were people who uh, working on the machines but uh, the construction that was comfort ballerinas which uh, which are flexible in terms of nature and uh, i mean i can't uh, explain it to you uh, because without seeing the product it doesn't make sense basically okay. so it was a frame construction which is particularly imported uh, by the brands from brazil okay so we knew that this is this was something big for us and uh, yes i mean we used that time to you know actually that products uh, level of satisfaction that yes this is the benchmark that we want our product to uh, compete with those uh, products which are coming from brazil or let's say china so we, we would say that we yes we have an edge like uh, when the business starts we have an edge that uh, we are uh, ready for the production and everything and uh, right now i could say that uh, we are pretty i mean we are doing good manufacturing it right now oh, that's great uh, yeah. yeah so you have been to china and then after the lock you know after covid uh, hit india you hmm. started dealing with indian uh, suppliers as well so yes. uh, what is the difference uh, you know like uh, that uh, the, that you had you know Between like between india and china yeah in terms of doing business and in terms of the facility provided facilities provided and you know uh, government efforts 
So let's just say that we were we were having a base of thirty uh, to forty percent of our total purchase from Indian vendors, mm-hmm. and around fifty to sixty percent was from China because we believe uh, actually the thing is the level of detailing, the finishing, the quality uh, in India is subpar actually. So it can't match the uh, quality of the Chinese vendors. Basically, the small trims that are used in the shoes, or the soles, mm-hmm. or the material, or the pure material, we uh, generally imported those materials. I mean, we still import pure leather, synthetic leather from China because there is no option in India. And uh, we, we had uh, developed some samples from Indian manufacturers, but we were not quite happy with them. But yes, about soles, I would say that. Uh, we developed quite a lot of molds which we uh, used to uh, import from China and some vendors in India took it as a challenge and uh, yeah, I mean, they've uh, replaced those, replaced those articles which we used to import from China. So some some vendors, I would say that uh, they took it as a challenge uh, since even they knew that this is going to be an opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government making a push towards Atmanirbhar Bharat and uh, Make in India, uh, the whole initiative was mm-hmm. going on. So uh, people, I mean, the manufacturing businesses in India, they knew that uh, that this is going to provide an impetus for Indian manufacturers and uh, someone who was up for the opportunity and, uh, you know, who have transformed their business. I mean, they would uh, find themselves easily uh, passing through the situation and doing quite well, actually. Right. So, uh, can you tell me some of the key trends that you see in the retail sector that is driving the post-COVID scenario? Okay. So, I honestly didn't think that... uh, I honestly felt that this was basically uh, the sales were going to be about 50 to 60 percent in uh, March this year because a lot of people were working from home and uh, I thought that people would be scared getting out of their home but it turns out that people were actually I mean quite park sitting at their homes and they were traveling and almost everyone got out and Diwali was a corner around the corner and uh, people lurched so that gave in, in the month of october it was quite a good amount of push that everyone got in the retail sector and uh, so that uh, the demand was there at that point of time and uh, everyone uh, quite well cashed in on it mm-hmm. and uh, so right now even the thing i would say uh, things are good only for those who have uh, better products to offer. Like we can tell that uh, we can do 2x revenue uh, this year mm-hmm. because as I said, we've worked at our R&D, we've worked at our, uh, delegating our departments and uh, creating new product lines. So that's the reason we are very much confident that we are going to do 2x revenue this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about others and or how they are coping with it. Because if uh, the one thing is clear that if you remain stagnant in your uh, R&D or the whole product development stage, then things would get difficult. Because uh, since in our industry, 
it's a fashion industry and uh, trends keep on coming up and uh, you know you don't know when a particular product is going to work in your way so it is it is very much important for us to stay on our toes and create new designs which are uh, in line with the trends in the market so it's very much uh, it's a very active job actually mm-hmm. it involves a lot of people uh, even our r&d department as i said that earlier uh, the only one was my father who was doing the development part and now we have like 6 to 7 people working in the department who are working constantly on uh, newer designs new concepts new product lines mm-hmm. so we get a we get a raw feedback from our buyers like yeah this can work or this cannot work so it gives us a raw feedback and which we can use it on our way to you know uh, develop more lines diversify our products so that has been the whole point of uh, our business operations basically mm-hmm. you know uh siddhant uh, so uh, i think uh, that would be all from my end uh, 